You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Here for the Truth podcast. I'm Joel Rafidi. I've got my co-host Eurosimos in the house with me as always. Today, we have the amazing Ty Fisher in the house. His Instagram videos have gone viral. He's a comedian from NYC. And this is just a great conversation, getting to know the man a little bit deeper. Um, before we bring on Ty, it may be sold out by the time you're hearing this. I'm not sure. There's currently four spots left, um, but applications for the meantime are still open to Rise Above the Herd Round 5, our eight-week group coaching program for truth seekers to step in, step deeper into purpose, power, potential, and walk their authentic path. So head to riseaboveTheHerd.co. Um, and if applications are still open by the time you're listening to this, please submit one and we'd love to hear from you um, and hopefully get you in the program. Nothing more on this front. So much love for the support, guys. Here's Ty. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. We truly have an incredible guest with us today. We've got Tyler Fisher in the house. Tyler's an actor, stand-up comedian, and viral content creator based in NYC. He's performed stand-up on America's Got Talent, been a guest star on NBC's Chicago Med, TV Lands Younger, and Startup on Netflix. Tyler's known for his viral content with over 200 million views on his prank, sketch, and celebrity impression videos. He was named the best new impressionist by the New York Times and NY's funniest comedian at the NY Comedy Festival. He's been on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and is co-starring alongside Gina Carano in the new movie Terror on the Prairie on the Daily Daily Wire. Tyler is a regular at the Comedy Cellar and is currently touring his stand-up comedy around the country. Tyler, such a pleasure to have you, man. Thanks for being here for the truth. Thanks for having me. I kind of, yeah, I want to take a couple of those credits off. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I was wondering about that. <laughs> I was on some of those shows when they were funny. So yeah. I won't mention which ones I'm talking about. I think our audience could probably guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's for back sure. when it was um, an honorable credit. How times have changed, huh? They've changed. Oh, yes. Yeah. But yeah, I want you to just, I told you guys off camera, but um, everyone, we're doing this uh, safe. We're all safe. So yeah, got my daily boost this morning, nine a day. (laughs) I'm happy that I'm happy that you did it for us. Yeah, I do it for. Well, it's not for you. It's for it's for old people. It's for the (laughs) it's for the old people that are on life support already in the nursing homes. We want to protect them. He's just a good human, man. Yeah, you are. For, for those that aren't watching the visual component of this show, Tyler's wearing a T-shirt that says Boosted with about 17 Band-Aids on it. <laughs> you know, they actually, I, I wanted them on the sleeves in the back and they're like, it's going to be too expensive. So, Yeah, fuck that. Nice. <laughs> Dude, one way which we really like to get started, particularly with new guests, is I want to dive into your own personal hero's journey and your major rifle that's actually all, a little I, bit. That's all I wanted to say. I just wanted to let you know I'm a hero. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> we're gonna try to get through this interview without laughing the entire time all right let's, yeah, that's still gonna happen dude how did you get into how did you get into comedy like what led you down this path like i was just a real piece of shit kid uh you know not raised properly in the 90s and uh that was that was the only thing that that got me attention from anybody including my parents so I would get rewarded for being a, a piece of shit. 
through laughs. So I started to notice, oh, my parents are telling their friends about, you know, I just uh, flooded my school, uh, you know, all the time, you know, I, I would stuff paper towels in the, in the bathrooms and flood the, the bathrooms like every day and I would get suspended. And, I, and my dad would be telling his friends, but almost he had some pride about it. So I was like, oh, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. So I just started doing pranks in school and I'd get there early and I'd put the, the rug up. Uh, we had like 20 doors and I would I would put the lip of the rug up and I would sit and just watch people walk in and just and just fall on their face. And, and I mean, like, I, that's all I did from age seven to, you know, until I went to college. And so uh, I just landed in like an improv class in high school. I was I was probably going to fail out of high school and uh, I needed an A. And I kid you not, I, I used to drink and do drugs with the uh, with the acting teacher. And so I thought, oh, I'll take his class. He's got to give me an A. Because I could probably ruin his life. And so that's so that's that's exactly how it happened. And then I got on stage and he's like, holy shit, you're really funny. You should do this for a living. And that was it. So that was, I was 17 or 18 at the time. That was eight, 18, 19 years ago. Wow. Now I get paid for it. <laughs> yeah. When, when did like the, the shift happen for you though? Like in terms of obviously the world shifted in the last three years, like what was comedy like before that for you? Like, were you always kind of like speaking out on things that were happening in the world in maybe more controversial ways? Or was it, did you kind of see the line in the sand and you went like, listen, I'm just going to keep like, I'm going to live my truth. I'm going to speak out and see what happens. Cause it feels, it feels like you've blown up over the last few years, but correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't. I mean, first, I don't know what shift you're talking about besides people covering their faces and uh, cutting their kids penises off. So I really don't know what you're speaking about there. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I was. You hear the siren? I'm deaf in one ear, bro. I, I don't hear shit. Yeah, you can't talk about this stuff in New York. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, w- I was, you know, I was raised. I see politics almost like religion. I was just raised very liberal. CNN was on on TV almost like it replaced religion. So that's just that was the gospel I heard every day. All left wing media. Fox News was evil, racist. You know, I remember George Bush was elected. It's like he's an evil Southern racist and. And so that's just how I was raised. And so I was uh, I was I didn't even know I was a social justice warrior. I was putting everybody, all the oppressed people before me and wasn't taking care of myself, wasn't looking out for myself. And then it really was uh, a combination of the woke identity politics in Hollywood. My career was really taking off. I was in high demand from a lot of uh, major talent agencies and managers and um and then suddenly the auditions slowed down then they stopped and then i said what you know what's going on some of them were just sugarcoating it saying oh it's just not a good time or it's sl- it's slow this time of year or you know your type is not really in demand and then it got so out of control that these agents and managers and casting directors they started saying it out loud just saying yeah we're not taking white people anymore yeah Comedy no. comedy clubs going, yeah, we're done with white people or we're we're not going to see any more white people. And this kind of little quiet murmur was building 
in the industry amongst white people. So it's like, oh, great. Now we have a bunch of white people having meetings again, which we know where that leads. So I, I just thought like this, how is nobody like actually speaking up? It was all whisper. It was all behind the scenes. Uh, so, so I, uh, you know, I lost what was the timeline. What was the timeline around like this? Like the, the whisper. I started, so I started, uh, I started stand up 13 years ago. So it, it's been honestly a slow build. You know, every year it was a little more, a little more, a little more. And then, um, uh, you know, probably the first like Black Lives Matter movement, it, you know, there was a spike and then it slowed down. And then the George Floyd thing just set it into overdrive where friends of mine, comedians were saying, I have to now uninvite you from my podcast because we we just can't allow a white man to be on our show. And I mean, like, that happened many, many times. And it was just, uh, yeah. So, so, so that, that kind of was like, well, what the fuck? What am I, what am I working so hard for? I, this is not, I'm not, I'm just not gonna get to that level. I've been, I've been kind of, I call it pre-canceled. My career was like not quite taking off yet. So that combined with, um, with the COVID stuff, you know, my personal choice to not get the vaccine. I don't give a shit what anyone else does. Uh, oh, I became a fascist, racist, transphobe. Hate, I hate vegan hater, like all the names, you know, uh, amongst uh, the stand up comedy scene. And I was like, all right, gloves are off now. I, I have nothing to lose. So I wasn't allowed to perform. You know, I wasn't allowed to audition. I wasn't allowed on podcasts because of my skin color. So it's like it, it was it wasn't a decision. It was like I'm backed in a corner. Mm. I've already committed my life to this. So let's just say anything now. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started. And and it it was pretty brutal for a few years. But then I once I got through the thick of it, and then my following, you know, grew larger than the hate I was getting. Um, it's been pretty fun since then so that's been about it's been about a i've had about a year of that where i you know um where it hasn't been that painful to to at least get through the the crappy part of it yeah man it's challenging enough to be an ad, an artist an actor etc but then but then again to have to go through this where you're being canceled and then not being invited onto the shows because of the, the color of your skin how how tolerant and inclusive uh, yeah, by the most tolerant yeah. and inclusive uh, group of people and party, it's it's really interesting. But I hear you, man. I have a I have a really good friend of mine um, who was in the LA jazz scene, and he was on a WhatsApp thread with like sixty people. And like a year and a half ago, two years ago, he like he made a comment just questioning the mask wearing, and every single one of them turned against him. People he worked with for twenty years, like best friends of his, stopped calling him. Like he got completely exiled from the community. Yeah, it, yeah it's it 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 replaced religion in a new way that I don't think we've seen yet. And that, and that combined with the, the, the woke identity stuff, it's as powerful as any religion, you know, with the exiling and shaming and everything. And, uh, but, but the good thing is like, if, if you're creative, you, they're, they're all giving me loads of material. So it almost became fun. Like every day I was just taking it, turning it into something, putting it out. And, um, 
I'm not, I'm not giving up my career. So I was just like, all right, I guess I, I guess it's going to happen a different way. And now I have mostly full control over it. So um, that's the upside. Besides walking down the street and, you know, people I used to know scoffing at me and calling me a fascist and a Nazi, you know, uh, when I'm on a first date, that <laughs> that's confusing. But have you have there ever have there been any people in your world that like were saying these things and kind of exiled you or excommunicated you that have kind of like reached back out in in a certain way and tried to extend an olive branch? Or has it just been like, nah, fuck it? Yeah, less of an olive branch, more of a like. Oh, hey, can you help me with my YouTube page? Ah, uh, gotcha. I see that your YouTube page is doing well. Can you help me with mine? I'm going, where where were you when, you know, the entire comedy community, which is a, the stupidest word that we use now, um, was was calling me the worst possible things that you can call somebody. Um, so, I, you know, again, I, I, I just see it as uh, I'm flattered. Okay. Yeah. You're acknowledging I have some success. I'm not going to help you, but um, I, don't, I don't want any. I don't want to add any drama. So I just kind of smile and nod. And I'm back. What's funny is I'm back in the the stand up scene. I got passed at the Comedy Cellar three months ago uh, on a fluke. A fan of mine uh, texted my videos to the owner. So I, I had definitely given up on the uh, on that dream of performing at the Comedy Cellar because. The vaccine mandates and and you know um you know a lot of comics hated me there so i just thought well there's no way they're gonna have me but thank god the owner uh really really appreciates alternative points of view and and at the end of the day it's people from around the world and, and, and the country that come to that club so so you know there was a demand for people that were willing to make fun of this stuff yeah, and it's still like I I still think because of the news, um, because of the mainstream media, it's they control the narrative. But there's so many people that aren't about this, you know, that don't align with it. And so when you stand in your truth, like so much respect, first of all, man, for keep doing what you're doing and speaking your truth. Because when you do that, I just feel like there's an alignment that happens, and people find you, people support you. I mean, your your material on Instagram it was going insane. I remember when it was coming across like my page and. I think yeah. even in 2020 and I was like who is this dude this dude's fucking hilarious and they shut me down like that they they uh they shut my account when I hit about I was going up like a thousand or two thousand a day and when I hit eighty thousand they just like they turned the tap off so but but you know even in that in that shadow band state I was still able to to break through I mean my name I wasn't searchable so like even my own fans were like, I have to go find you on someone else's page and click on it. But when I'd get a video out, it would still sometimes get into the millions of views. So I think the tide, hopefully the tide is turning now on social media where they're like, all right, we've got all these alternative platforms. We've got rumble. We've got, you know, I, 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 my guess is they're going to loosen up a little bit because so many people are leaving and going to these other mm -hmm. platforms. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what do you what do you make of that Woody Harrelson um, monologue on SNL? Like that was kind of left field for, for SNL, right? No, I mean, if if you've got a big star, they're gonna if they say this is what I I want to do, they're probably gonna let them do it. You know, if you watch Dave Chappelle's monologues yeah. or Louis C.K. talking about 
you know, pedophilia, you know, in the, in the, like the, <laughs> the corner of the pedophile, you know, it's a hilarious joke. So, yeah. um, my guess is he just said, this is what I want to do. And, uh, three years has passed. So you would think it would be time to make a joke about it, which as we know, it's kind of not really even a joke. It's yeah, yeah. a funny spin on it. Um, but you know, if he wasn't a Republican, he is now. So they just create Republicans and conservatives. They're just pumping them out. Yeah. yeah. What, who have been, Oh, Joel, did you want to ask something? No, you go. I was going to say, who, who are some of your influences, man? I mean, I, I love comedy my whole life growing up. I'm 42 years old, man. I love watching Carlin. I've watched some of the other comedians growing up. Like, who, who have been your influences, man, that have inspired you? Yeah, I love, Car I love Carlin. I just watched the documentary, uh, Judd Apatow's documentary about him, which unfortunately the whole ending was a woke virtue signal. Yeah. It's a shit that I thought ruined the whole movie, but uh, it was just a montage of like, blm uh protests and stuff i was like this has nothing to do with him and you don't know that what side he'd be on but i love carlin and you know comedians should study the history because carl you know carlin went to jail for swearing during his act so you kind of just have a duty that whatever era you're born in it's like all right well this is the shit i have to go through I have to get shadow banned and fight through it. And there's yeah. always going to be something, but you know, com well, comedians in, in England are going to jail now. That's for sure. Um, that's be becoming more prevalent to go to jail for a tweet or a video or something. But, you know, Carlin, Carlin fought and, and even went to court to figure out, well, what, what are the words you can't say? So, so it's, the 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 repetition of history is like spot on because that's what just happened over the last couple of years. Like you'd get shadow banned. Like, well, well, what'd you say? Did you mention masks? Okay, well, you probably can't do that. And I'm like, it it can't be that that wishy-washy. And so we just went through that exact same thing. We just had thousands, if not millions, of people were sacrificed their social media for saying some word or, or or talking about some topic you so you so-called can't talk about and everybody just went along with it which is which is really sad in a free country but but you know he figured out it was you know well shit piss cunt fuck cocksucker motherfucker and tits and that was the seven words you couldn't say but i thought if he was born today that joke would be different he'd be like well here are the seven thousand topics you can't talk about you know yeah. there would be seven thousand topics and each of them would have 700 words so i think we've gone backwards since the 70s yeah it's so wild man like it just blows my mind it just blows my mind what's happening well it's crazy that we're actually here you know but i mean the, the, the reality is what it is and i think it's forcing people to you know to, to, to step into true creative independence without having to be, you know, I guess, reliance on the consensus. Because what I'm assuming is, is there now sections of the industry that's said, fuck that, and there's new pathways opening up for alternative acts and people with alternative views like yourselves? Like, is there is that kind of ramping up? Yeah, Rumble is a YouTube alternative, and that's yeah. growing, and they don't censor you. I mean, you can't take part in hate speech. There's hate speech laws that you yeah. can't do, but... They're not, they're not censoring, uh, locals 
which is like a Patreon alternative, which I uh, I'm going to be switching to probably in the next few weeks. Okay. Daily Wire, you know, Daily Wire found me on Instagram and sent me a DM, and I got an audition and booked a, a huge role in their uh, one of their first films with uh, Gina Carano. Um, and they're not, they're not, they're doing merit based casting. They're not casting based on skin color or race, you know, unless it's applicable for the the role. Obviously, Ray Charles, you wouldn't want Michael Douglas to play Ray Charles, but well, so that would be an interesting film, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, so the Daily Wire, they their first four movies, they had a female lead, they had a female hero lead, and. They didn't do that on purpose. Those were the four best scripts that they found. And so Daily Wire's doing tons of great stuff. They're doing children's programming now to have an alternative to um, Disney. And, uh, you know, they're growing. I think they have a million plus subscribers. And mm-hmm. Netflix has 200 million. But, you so know. Gotta start, gotta start somewhere. Yeah, if they get to 10 million and there's another one and I can see this really leveling the playing field. But I think what what's actually going to happen is it's going to force Netflix and these other places to really loosen up and they're going to start producing the content that Daily Wire is. That's my guess. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, the direct to consumer, um, I guess, market, you know, I remember Louis C.K. kind of in some ways cut out the middle person and he just started releasing stuff on his on his own website and people would. We're paying that. Is that is that also an uh, an option? Like, do you take part in that at all, where you can post something on a website and people can just buy one of your comedy shows? Yeah, I have. Well, I have a a Patreon page where I'll put up, you know, I'll put up full stand up sets or sets that have gone wrong or kind of improvised pieces and stuff. Uh, which I'll I'll be switching to locals because it's a little bit more of a um, freedom oriented interaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I did, I did a comedy special that I just put out for free on YouTube and then I just put my Venmo and my PayPal. So, you know, I'm, I made a decent amount of money on that. It's got upwards of 300,000 views and the, the clips that I've, um, put out have gotten a few million. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's ways to do it for sure. Yeah. 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 When did you get into impressions? Cause your impressions are like next level, dude. I don't know. I th- I think uh, that that led back to childhood, just making a joke of everything, making fun of my teachers and doing impressions of them. Um, I put their clothes on. They had like a change of clothes. They went went to the bathroom. I'd put put on their clothes, you know, and dress and drag. I I remember I put on my Latin teachers like gym clothes and her high heels, and she came back and I was teaching the class and. Um, she was not happy about that, but uh <laughs> you just made me think of my Spanish, my Spanish um junior high teacher. Um, she was gorgeous, she was hot. Anyway, it just made me think she wore this turtleneck. Yeah, this um, this woman was hot, actually. <laughs> yeah, wow. I just saw a woman that looks like her 10 minutes ago in the park, and I didn't realize that she looked like my Latin teacher, yeah. who I still am attracted to. Nice, man, nice. Well, I'm looking forward to your future. Probably pretty old and ugly at this point, but oh well, you still have your memories. Yeah, well, women, you know, men and women peak at different times. Men peak in their 30s, and women peak in their 18s. <laughs> you, you've still got about um, 15 years to peak, then, right? 
Yeah, yeah. You've still got about 15 years to peak then, right? Yeah, exactly. you're, ni- you're 19 based on your last uh, special that I saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New York really rips on your physical state. Uh, and then I did, and then I played George Bush in a play in college. So uh, there was really no role for me. And then I was like, they, they they used to let you just audition for whatever role you saw fit in college. So I, it was a play called Stuff Happens. And it was mostly just quotes from George Bush and his administration that led to the Iraq war. It, it's a wild, wild uh it's all real so i just kind of went in the mirror and just start you know i'm just uh start talking like this you know strategery and then you kind of mix words together you know it's fantastic and wonderful you know it's it's wonderful <laughs> and uh and i started getting a lot of laughs and so i i played this massive role of george bush when i was uh 20 years old in college and um you know, and then and then people were like, "Stop doing George Bush. He's he's um, evil. He's not, he's not or he's not topical anymore." But like, what I did realize is everything that everyone has told me to stop doing. Whenever I did the opposite, my every dream has come true. Yeah, that, that's like across the board, and so it's it's pretty remarkable how people will try to keep you from dude exploring. It's uh. It's the crabs in the bucket, man. The crowd is always wrong. The consensus is usually wrong. You know, when you're trying to get out of the bucket and do your own thing and live your truth and 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 honor who you are as an individual, most people, man, who don't have that level of of sovereignty or bravery or courage to be who they are, they want to just bring you down. They want to keep you in the safe zone, man. It happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. I will say, if you're going to go for it artistically and you want to explore, you're going to have to let go of a lot of people in your life. Of course. You know, it doesn't mean like you're right. It's not like anything I'm doing, I think is right or wrong, but it's like, Hey, I want to play in the sandbox a little bit. You're going to get messy. You're going to offend people. You're going to offend yourself. You know, I think that's what people don't realize is when you fuck up and you cross the line, the artist pays a price for that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But you have to have the freedom to be able to do that. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to stop talking to my mom. That's going to be, if you want to make it as an artist, you, you should definitely stop answering her phone calls and uh, tell your tell your grandma to go fuck herself because she's going to try to hold you back. <laughs> hey, man, who, who do you think has a greater grasp of the English language, George Bush or Joe Biden? Oh, George Bush. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just. Yeah. At least George Bush is taking two words and combining them as one, and it, it makes a new word. Joe Biden will quote, you know, Martin Luther King and be like, yeah, yeah this is a, this is one of his favorite, favorite quotes of him. You know, you say, but we're not bad jobs. Come on, <laughs> not a joke. I'm not joking around. Do you have a favorite person you like impersonating or is it just depending on like what's like inspiring you in the moment based on the material, based on what's happening in the world? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think by, by, I do Biden on stage a lot and I'll I'll um, end my speech and, and get lost in the crowd and I'll trip over the mic and get caught up in the cord and keep falling down. And I, I keep adding to that every night and then I'll I'll contrast his speech with Trump, you know, because 
Biden will get really loud and then he'll whisper, like, yeah, we got to save this country. I'm not joking around. <laughs> but then Trump would do the opposite. He'd be quiet and be like, you know, we got to save this country because the radical left, and you know these people, you got, you know these people, they're rapists, they're murderers. And so I always do those back to back. I like, uh, I really like, uh, Ben Shapiro, because you can get, you know, you can get 10 times the amount of content in five seconds because he talks really at the speed of light and he's just going and going and going and always doing an ad read. I always imagine him like giving a eulogy for his best friend. You know, like we love Greg was a great guy and it's too bad he was not getting enough sleep, which is really why he crashed his car. But if he used a Helix sleep mattress, he would have been alive today. Use code Ben for 50 percent off. Let's talk about his legacy but first. Oh, man. Dude. <laughs> so good. Okay. Jordan Peterson, though, man, you're so good oh. with Jordan Peterson. You know, you said you wouldn't put me on the spot, and it's like, here we are. You know, Carl Jung warned about this. You know, it's malevolent, but you got to clean your room, and you got to stop doing, it's like you got to stop doing methamphetamine. You got to stop doing cocaine off a stripper's ass. It's like, well, maybe you'll get your life together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all I'll say about that. We should have just made this like an audio-only podcast and just told (laughs) everyone we're interviewing Jordan Peterson. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're so grateful, so grateful to have been able to get show. Uh, That's funny, man. So, dude, I'm a big fan of Jordan's, though. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, he's he spits some truth, and he, you know, he's been saying it for a long time, and yeah, warning, yeah. warning about what's happening. If you if you haven't listened to him or you you're new to him, I would recommend going back to his college lectures because he was not famous, and he was really just recording them. I think for the students to be able to go back and watch if they missed a class, and and uh, there's just a wealth of information. I mean, he talks about handling everything from you know, toxic family members, or if you have to end a friendship or 80% of the success in my life now has been from watching him carefully and implementing the stuff that he's recommended. And not, none of it has, has, um, been negative. Yeah. Cool. I'd pay to watch you, the two of you, like in a room together, speaking to one another. But you, as him, speaking to yeah, him, I, that would be, yeah. be pretty epic. I, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can arrange that. Like his younger self talking to him, you know, you know. Well, the the pronouns will never be a problem. It's like just get over it. It's like, well, oh, you think so, Bucko? Hmm, hmm, hmm. You'll be yearning for the time when there was fifty genders. She'll go. Well, I remember the good old days. Yeah. Well. Okay. Uh, man, this is too good. <laughs> what um well, I, I want to kind of go back to a little bit of what you said in terms of how you were raised. Like, so when you like what's your relationship with your parents or other family members? Like, are their views still the same? And obviously you flipped. Like, is there any well, connection there, was, there? There was never any uh there was never any real you know, solid values in my family. You know, we didn't, 
we maybe had some unspoken ones, but, uh, and this is what I also learned from Jordan Peterson. When you're, my parents got divorced when I was seven, it, it's like a catastrophe in the family. I mean, it's like you had, he, he, well, he said this, if, if, if you get divorced and you have kids with somebody like you're not divorced, you're not free. You, you have a malignant cancer the rest of your life. You are tied to that person the rest of your life. Uh, I'll give you one example of somebody I know um, got married and then they were uh, there. The woman had an affair and then finally she moved. She left the country and started a new family and he had a flight tracker on his phone and tracked her plane, literally going over their house and going to the other country like that. That was the level of celebration that she was leaving the U.S., because of how catastrophic it was. So when my parents split up and, and divorce is like sexualized now, it's romanticized in the way that abortion is. It's really disgusting. Uh, it should be a last resort, both of those things. So, so it's like you have two different parents with two different sets of values. Now they don't even have to agree on them. And in fact, they weaponize them. So um, that fucked me up a lot. I mean, my look, my dad uh, came out of the closet, so that's why they got divorced. He came out as racist, so um, no, he's he's gay. He's I have a gay dad, and uh, so it's it's just a mess. That's why, like, I I didn't really start figuring myself out until I was probably thirty two or thirty three. I think until when I started my podcast, because I was able to just talk for an hour. Yeah. And kind of get it out that combined with therapy. I was like, oh, what do I actually think? What 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 are my values? Oh, I, I actually really value marriage and family and all of these things that I, I was taught are toxic and patriarchal and insert woke trigger word. So, um, you know, there's no there's really no foundation there anyways. Um, but as far as the stuff I'm doing now, I, there's no, there's no line for me. I, I, there's no topic off limits. So I, you know, I talk about my dad coming out of the closet. I talk about how homophobia saved my life because if, he, if I, if my parents got married, you know, any later, he would have come out of the closet and they wouldn't have had kids. So I have to go through this whole mm. scenario mm. of how the homophobic community are you know terrible but they're also heroic to me so uh yeah you know and and i don't really know what people think about any of those jokes but i don't care because it's part of my healing process so but i've lost friends i mean i've lost best friends for jokes really childhood friends that were going you, you know i don't know what's wrong with you now all my friends are texting me going tyler lost his mind what you know, why won't he just go back to being the silly guy who does a Bill Burr impression every day? Um, it's shocking. Yeah. People will reach out and say, hey, you sold your soul to the devil or, you know, you're going to hell. Go back to your old self. And so, yeah, I can't underestimate how much you're going to have to prepare for that um, if you really go for it. Yeah. Yeah, man you'll make you, you again like you say you, you'll find your new people you know people that it's pretty I'm, ironic i mean one of the friends i lost is you know he came out of the closet probably in his 20s 
you know, my dad came out, my brother came out, like, that's like someone telling me, you know, they just got a raise at their job. I go, Oh, cool. Congrats. You know, what are we doing for dinner? So I've, I've fully supported all of these oppressed people. And then suddenly I just want to tell jokes about everything. And I'm this evil fascist and they tell me to go to hell and that I'm just doing it for money and all this stuff. And so it's been really revealing to see, you know, and I'll say one more thing about Jordan Peterson. He points out that you don't, you don't know how, what too far is on the left. And I think this kind of sums up what we're going through right now. Everything's masked in compassion. Like, Oh, how, how, okay. Now how many genders now kids can do whatever they want. And now we're like in this crazy clown world because nobody's willing to say that the left goes too far. We know when the right goes too far. Um, but that, that seems to be what's happening. Yeah, well, there's we're losing objectivity altogether. Yeah, yeah. So, some of us are. Some yeah, of us. Some, are. yeah. I also want to be careful because I always go, you know, I try not even to say the left or whatever because most people, their their politics is not their main identity, nor should it be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're getting kind of caught up. Not not us here, but but. Um, we're getting caught up in that a little bit. But the thing is, like, there's still sensible liberals as well, which I'm sure don't identify and don't relate to all the super work shit that's going on. Yeah, Bill Maher's a great example. And I'm I'm probably mm-hmm. more similar to Bill Maher than I am. I'm a conservative. I, I'm, I think yeah. my views are still pretty classically liberal. And some, some of my views are conservative. So, yeah. yeah. Even having to, like, just throw things in boxes, like... I was raised in New Jersey. I lived in New York City for 10 years. I've been in LA. So you're racist. racist. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and I, uh, you know, I I, I was in the acting community for a bit in New York City. And like, like you said earlier, it's like, oh, CNN, everyone on the right is, you know, evil. It wasn't until I just started educating myself and listening to different thinkers and, and researching that it's not even, it goes beyond left and right. Like I just care about the truth. I care about things that make sense and, and that are rational because it, it's interesting now that it seems that like freedom, which is this become this demonized word seems to be more aligned with the right now. You know, I feel like things shift and change in some right. ways. You know what I mean? Right. Which is kind of strange when you think about it. Well, they've weaponized they or the, you know, whatever the extreme left has weaponized the word freedom to to mean, you know, free to be racist or free to not want black people to be able to, you know, go to a restaurant or whatever it is. So um what I find when I do stand up in a comedy club, it's a great sample of the world, actually, because every mm-hmm. night, you know, Friday night I do four shows, Saturday night I do four shows, I do 20 shows a week. So that's that's thousands and thousands of people a week, random samples of people from around the country and the world of every political part of the spectrum. And most of them are coming together and laughing on, on everything. You know, last week I went up, it was Judd Apatow went on stage, then Chris Rock, then me, then, you know, a, a very liberal far left woke black lesbian. And, and, um, they laughed at everything. Yeah. So that, to me, I'm like, that's the real, that's the real 
country as a whole, I think. Yeah. Do you think like people go to comedy shows to get like a reprieve from, you know, the whole left-right paradigm? Or do you think like they just walk straight back out and they're straight back into their, you know, their the little box that controls them and they can't laugh at anything? There's, there's probably a variety. Some people might might go, well, this is a club in New York City. They're going to be aligned with my, you know, identity politics and they're going to make fun of straight white men. And some do, you know, some comedians say horribly racist things about white people. And I, and I know when it's a joke and when it's not. I mean, some comics will go up and say, you know, white women should have their uteruses ripped out. I mean, stuff that's so shocking that I, I sometimes have to leave the room. I'm a free speech absolutist, so I, I think they should be able to say it, which is great because then I can go on stage and and uh, do what I'm going to do. So yeah, it actually hit me today when I was walking that a lot of people say, "Why are you still here? What like you would kill if you just lived in Nashville or Florida?" But I have to get my ideas to work for everybody at these shows. But it, I realized it's becoming almost more of a debate because you've got five different comics with five different points of view. Mm. And I'm getting more comfortable now to go up right after somebody, you know, and kind of counter their idea. Or if they're talking about, yeah, I'm I'm a gay Latinx, you know, gender fluid this and this is who I am. I'll go up and then I'll I'll pretend to be you know, an immigrant who just got their green card, who's, you know, has one leg and I'll convince the crowd that's who I am, but, but I'll do it to, to prove that like you could always be more oppressed and you can always get more support. So I'm really having fun, not, not, uh, being offended by hearing this stuff, but then yeah. going, I, I can go up and and counter it and try to make my point of view funny. Yeah. How much of your shows are in it's always in blackface? It's always in blackface. It's not always improvised. Right. Um, How's your Trudeau impression? It's it's so good, man. It's so good. I go on. I go on stage. I get in my blackface, and then I uh, I put a mask on everybody and tie it, and then I just start vaccinating people. We do a white shaming ceremony. Um, I'll find a black guy in the crowd and let him punch me in the dick. It's. Uh, <laughs> really good uh, how much of your shows are improv versus material that you've prepared it, it'll depend i mean at the comedy cellar i got 15 minutes right i got 15 oh, okay. minutes and it's very cutthroat there and the owner's watching you and the the waitresses and waiters are reporting back on how you did so you, you gotta really you gotta bring it you can still take risks um you know the other night i uh i said god it's i said it's really it's kind of a, it's a tough time for white guys because we can't really say much because people claim we've been oppressing so we don't have a voice and I've got to come to a basement where your cell phones are locked up. So I'm kind of afraid to say things. And this woman's like, you should be. She started yelling at me. Huh. So it's like, all right, well, I'm going to I'm going to go talk to this woman now and let her humiliate herself. And she did. Uh, so you can kind of you can kind of go off the path a little bit. And then, and then I, when I do shows for my fans, those shows are an hour or 75 minutes. So I can, I'm there. People want to, you know, have a good time. I feel, it feels more like a safe space. And so I can do 
10, 20, 30 minutes of improv throughout the show, which is really fun. Cool, cool. Yeah, I bet. Do you think it's going to get played out, the whole, you know, hating on white people jokes? Like, surely people are going to get over that sooner rather than later, you'd think. I, I mean, I this is kind of extreme, but my early prediction was there would we would lead to uh, slavery reenactment um, camps, you know, where you go and you, you have to be a slave for a week. And I, that's, that actually is still what I, where I think it's going. Um, Cause there's been, there actually has been things similar to that. And there's yeah. certainly like group humiliation stuff within corporations and Robin D'Angelo teaching people how to be less white. It it's I I the train has left the station. I don't I'm trying to figure out if it's picked up too much speed to slow down or not. I don't I actually don't know. Um the damage is done, you know. An entire generation of kids has been raised on this. So they're gonna go out and bring that into the world. And uh I, I don't I'm kind of like sick of talking about it, but I can't stop because. I feel so bad for kids that are raised now, not just white kids, everybody, because I've seen it play out because it started 15 years ago. So now I'm now in the arena of actors and comedians, some of which who are punished for being white and they don't have a career. And I'm talking guys that should be Bill Burr level famous that I see at the Comedy Cellar who don't have an agent, that they're, they're getting 50 bucks a night and they are robin williams status funny and i'm talking about myself here but no uh no there's there, <laughs> it's really uh it's really sad and then you'll see comedians who um were were taken and placed ahead uh way way early on in their career and they're suffering because they were exposed too early because the industry is brutal absolutely brutal so everybody loses in this um i don't know i hope i mean i i have a i have a lawsuit pending right now for a, a acting manager who told me they will not work with me because i'm white they scouted me we want to work with you we're gonna you know you're gonna be a star the whole pitch i've gotten for the last 10 years and then uh when it came time to sign with them or what i thought was going to be signing a contract they said look we got word from you know higher up that we can't take white men anymore and i and so i'm sitting here on my podcast stuff and i recorded it i didn't plan on recording it but this is this had happened five ten times already so so um anyways he told me it was company policy to no longer hire white men to represent white men and um so i'm you know, I'm taking them to the Supreme Court. This is this could be a several year battle that could take away from a lot of my um, my work and my focus. But it feels like a duty to myself, first yeah. and foremost, to stand up for myself. Um, but if you want evidence on how bad and how out of control this has gotten, when I when I published that on Twitter that I was suing them and that I wanted this um, anti-white racism to stop i was in i was absolutely brutalized i was the racist for standing up for this oh, oh poor white guy go kill yourself i mean 
maybe three comedians stood up for me and I, I didn't need them to stand up for me, but, but the amount that threw me under the bus for that and are shocked. And, and every single night I have to walk into the comedy cellar and someone will go, why are you doing that? Just stop, stop, stop it. Drop the lawsuit. Are you insane? So that's like my walk into work every night is something along those lines. And that's terrifying. Yeah. So I'll die on the hill if I have to. Yeah. It's like, I don't understand. Because like, aren't comedians meant to be like more open-minded than others in that, in that, in that sense? No, no, they're not. It's, I think it gets confused because there's this isolated hour of material that you see, but they've spent years yeah. crafting that. So that's not, that's not our natural or, I'm kind of like that all the time a little bit, but uh, that's not the natural thought process. That's a very curated, very scripted, very safe piece of material because it's been tested and filtered through thousands and thousands of crowds. Yeah. So I, you, you're right to suspect that. That's what I thought. But the pandemic has been so revealing. and. Um, a lot of people I used to look up to. It's kind of nice because I don't I see them around and I'm not intimidated. I don't care about performing before or after them. Yeah. I mean, even Chris Rock, who I love, but, you know, he was on stage just saying like horrible things about white people. And I'm going like and I walked out, you know, I was like, I just don't want to see this. And. um. He slapped me in the face. <laughs> we, I'm not going to make that joke. <laughs> it's a very, it's very, the comedians are very deprived of a lot of things. Probably they've been traumatized as a kid. It's how a lot mm-hmm. of them get into it. So it, it's a group of people that generally will do anything for attention or love. So if you're told get the fucking vaccine and shut up, if you want to get on stage, 99% of them did it. And the 1% that didn't got brutalized. And so we were made an example of. So, however, again, if you can break out of that 99%, you've got this vast open field to play around in where there's no competition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not only no competition, but the people in that space, we all are, are, we all talk and support each other because we're not threatened, you know? I talk to Ryan. I love Ryan Long. We perform all the time. JP Sears, all these guys, we help each other out. Hey, here's my agent. Hey, here's this um, merchandise vendor you should use. You know, so um, it pays off in huge ways. Yeah, man. I just think, again, our podcast is called Here for the Truth. Beyond what's going on in the world, just inner truth, being who you are, you know, living that. And then, I just think benefits happen, even though there may be bumps in the road, even though there may be obstacles. Like you said, there's this open field. And when when there's no incongruence between who you are and what you do and how you live, there's a freedom there. Of course there is. Yeah. Not having to fake reality for anyone, right? That's to me, that's what real liberation is. Yeah. And and like it's it's weird. Truth actually is almost at the bottom of the totem pole for me now. It's free speech has now become at the top because with comedy in particular none of it has to be true you have to go up and entertain people so Mm. most things aren't funny most things that happen to you aren't funny 
you have to change the ending. You have to add a character. You have to, you know, Louis C.K. has a great joke about flying in an airplane and the Wi-Fi is a little slow. And he's like, can you believe this shit? And he he then changed that story to make it about a guy sitting next to him. But he's he openly says, no, that was me who threw a fit that my Wi-Fi was delayed by five seconds because I'm living in a Greek myth. I'm flying in the air. So there's, hmm. you know, this, and this is more just advice for new comedians. You, none of it has to be true. Yeah. Not a single word of it has to be true. It has to be funny. If you want to dive into the truth during your performance or explore it, or, you know, if you want everything to be true, that's fine. You do whatever you want. But uh, I, I see some comedians fall into the trap of thinking, oh, it has to be true or it has to be a statement or whatever. It has to be funny. Because once you get on, once you get into a place like the Comedy Cellar, they, they go in and they just listen. Is the crowd dying of laughter or not? If they're not, you're out. Yeah, yeah. What's your What's your ultimate dream, man? As a as a performer, as a comedian, as an actor, uh, probably to quit. You know, be able to okay. Quit. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, my my dream's coming true. I mean, to first of all, to be able to make a living doing this is, uh, yeah, is, uh, is awesome. And I didn't, even when I was a young actor and people were going, you should be on SNL. And I was getting scouted. I'm sitting there with Jim Carrey's manager in LA. I was signed by one of his, one of his, uh, partners as junior managers. Like I was still running an airbnb in my house i was living with six strangers and babysitting during the day and and so that fact alone is amazing but um but yeah i think i would like to continue doing what i'm doing but move in also move into to writing and directing and making feature films because that's a dead zone right now there's a talk about an open field when's the last awesome comedy you've seen like drop that bro i talk about this all the time man like what has happened to comedy in cinema it's just not good at all yeah so i'm i'm probably look if daily wire won't do it or whatever and i don't blame anybody for not wanting to take that risk because it would be a big risk but um i'll probably fundraise and, mm-hmm. and it on my own and, and put it out who knows maybe put it out for free on youtube or something i don't know there's it's crazy that 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 market is wide open right now yeah what are some of your favorite comedies um let's see i think one of my favorites is is my cousin Vinny. oh man youths these two youths two what two youths <laughs> the just the character, um, the work on the characters in that film is is so incredible, and um, and it's kind of grounded in reality too. I like I like movies like that that are grounded in reality, but the writing is so funny that it's hilarious. Um, Dumb and Dumber is probably my all time favorite. What a classic! Right. So there's work to be done there for sure. Yeah. Mm. I, I I kind of aspire to be Woody, you know, like a Woody Allen type, you know. Um, yeah. I really admire his work 
not his uh, film work, but more of his personal life, what he did there. Um, oh, man. He, I knew you were going to go there. He was putting out um, a, fi- a film a year nearly for you know, 30, 40 years, and he just got somebody to invest in it. They weren't allowed to change the script. He would say, here's the movie. It's like, and that's why the movies were so good. So you just busting out screenplays left and right? I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm kind of busting out ideas for movies because I, I I would like to get the funding to actually sit down and lock myself in a room for six months and write it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, pretty small investment for, for what could be a potentially huge payoff for any millionaire or billionaire fans who are watching right now. That's the that's our number one demographic of listeners or millionaires and billionaires. So you never know, man. You might be in luck. You never know. You never know who's watching. That's true, man. But everything I make is is zero budget. So I'm going, I'm going, guys. Like I, I I've probably hit two, three hundred million views on my videos for zero dollars. So give me hell a million dollars. I could I could probably make a couple movies with. Yeah. And I figured with your audience, man, crowdsourcing, like, shit, man, yeah. I'll, I'll give you money, bro. You that know what I mean? Good. Yeah. yeah. And 50 cents, well, that, that'll go towards a million, right? That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, well I'm going to start on on locals and, and I'm going to start my podcast again and just start, you know, building up that that fan base. And I won't say community. I can't use that word. Um, I think that's a word that we need to we need to lose as a society as well. What would you use instead? Um, well, as far as comedy, you know, it's not a community. It's I'd say it's a comedy scene. Gotcha. Thousands of different people, all all whom of which would quite literally put a bullet in someone's head to avoid scrutiny or to get ahead or something. You know, there's no yep. there's no unity there. There's no there's no black community or white community. You can actually say there's a black community and a Latin community, but you actually aren't allowed to say there's a white community, which is hilarious because that's the claim that white people have this tight knit superiority based community, but then you can't even claim that we have, it's all, you know, anyways, it makes me want to blow my brains out. Yeah. Don't do that, man. There's so much much laughter, you know, that's left to be had. Pull my brains out with, uh, <laughs> with laughter. <laughs> um, what's your, uh, well, Joel, if you want to ask something first, because I wasn't asking him about his upcoming, his next tour. That's right. I was going to say, like, are there any, like, um, more, I guess, well-known or top-tier comedians that you think have closet alternative views that are just playing the game? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Probably twenty percent of them, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that was a good question, man. Because I, I was curious if there's people in your world, in your community, um, that maybe like privately message you, man, dude, you're brave for for saying what you're saying. Like, you know, I'm already in the game. Like, I'm not going to change because you know I got to pay for my kids' college or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a lot of, and I have a lot of comedians within my scene that do that as well. And go, I just, you know, so they'll send me ideas that they don't, 
that they're afraid to do, which is kind of great. Now they just send me all these scripts and sketch ideas. Um, I mean, J- Jamie Foxx slipped into my DMs, which was kind of mind blowing because he's mm. been a childhood hero of mine. Um, until I found, I thought he was Bill Cosby. I had switched. I'd, I'd flipped that. I'd screwed that up. No, no, that's a that's a Kyle Dunnigan joke. He's uh, <laughs> he's Barack Obama in in one of his shows. Do you know Do you know Kyle Dunnigan? The, the name sounds familiar oh. for some reason. Do yourself a favor, and I think he's one of the funniest comedians ever. He does these deep fakes, like really crappy deep fakes. So he'll be Biden or or Bill Maher. And he's now creating entire sitcoms that's just him playing, you know, Bill Maher, Caitlyn Jenner, uh, and it's it's um, Fresh Prince of Biden or something. It's like a play on Fresh Prince, but Joe Biden's the main <laughs> character, and Ben Shapiro's his butler. And hey, come come sit on my lap. He's like, sir, that's completely inappropriate, and and it, it's just so fucking funny. It's insane. But back to uh, Jamie Foxx, he he sent me a, vo- a voice uh, voicemail and was just like, I think you're so funny. I don't know where you are, but you keep it up. He wasn't, you know, he's a huge celebrity, so he didn't specifically say yeah, yeah, yeah. what he was supporting. And that's totally fine. So I actually don't know. But but then he started to comment on all of my videos and put 50 laughy face emojis and stuff. So. That's dope. That was, he's a legend. He's uh, a legend. He's man. a legend. I know. So it's like, it's like, what, what is going on right now? I've got my peers going on my Instagram and saying, you're a Nazi. And then I have Jamie Foxx saying, you're brilliant. And I'm like, well, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to take Jamie's feedback here on this one. Yeah. And, real, uh, real recognizes real, man. And what's kind of cool about that is obviously his comments go to the top so then on all my videos that used to get hate you'd have to recognize and scroll past jamie fox to comment and i think i think that shut a lot of people up to be honest yeah i mean even that man the fact that like people go oh well uh, jamie fox thinks this is um uh, uh funny so then i can't say anything like just like no backbone no 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 backbone. conviction man Bro, no one like, really knows you, what they like. No one really knows what they're That's what I'm saying, dude. No like, you want to really call someone? You want to call someone out? Injected. Yeah. 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 Like, you want to call someone out? Then keep calling them out. Who cares if fucking Jamie Foxx is liking it? Like, at least stand true to your fucking values, even if they're opposite. You know, these people they're, they're so flimsy. There's like a flimsiness to like the a belief system. And I'm just saying in general. I'm not picking one side versus the other. I just feel like the masses in general. There's a flimsy flimsiness. To, to the belief structures and what they stand for and their morals and their convictions, man. It just, it'll just flip based on what the news is telling them, what their social group is telling them, what the new trend is. Yeah. Well, there's also, you know, the people that claim there's no such thing as like a hierarchy, there's an incredible hierarchy of um, privilege as far as what, what you can say and who can say, I mean, it's really fun to watch really, because you'll have someone say something and you know but then somebody more oppressed trumps them and so they back off and it's this this hilarious game of whack-a-mole and so it's like well famous black seemingly liberal actor uh can't you know he trumps me i can't say anything 
Mm. So it's fun to watch because it's it, it's the beginning of the end of a civilization once you start categorizing people's oppression. And it's, you know, not to start talking about the millions that, that have died in past atrocities, but but that's how it happened um, in, in the Soviet Union with the, the gulag slave camps. It was... If you're if you're an oppressor, you go in there and and they ran out of people. So if someone had like a one chicken, they'd be like, well, you're a farm owner, you know, so into the slave camp. And that's how that happened. And we're we're doing the same exact thing right now. And uh, it's fun. It's definitely fun to watch if if it doesn't get out of control. But, you know, as far as. um. I hate to, to to gossip at all, but but it's a public comment that I did another video where I was basically say, you know, saying I got fired for being white or something like that. And then Jamie commented on that and was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's really hard for white dudes. And I thought, ah, OK, I think I lost him, which is OK. But also, like, let's take a step back. My childhood hero is Jamie Foxx. He's probably one of the reasons I do impressions because I saw him play Ray in um, uh, play Ray Charles. One of the most brilliant impressions ever done. You know, I, I aspire to be like him. I, I can't get an agent because I'm white. And that's a that's that's not a guess. And here he is going like, yeah, but white guys have it the best, you know. And so it's like. Who, who would have thought I'd ever have that interaction with one of my childhood heroes, but it's a testament to how out of control it's gotten and how sad it is that that's even um, playing a part in, in, in Hollywood or casting or any of that stuff. So anyways, yeah. I blocked him and I reported him <laughs> <laughs> for hate speech. Oh my God. When uh, you have a tour coming up, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be going to I'll be in Las Vegas. The Comedy Cellar has a club in Las Vegas. So I'll be there for a week starting March 27th through, I think, April 2nd. And, and I'll just be part of a group of five comics. So I'll be doing 15 minutes on each show. Um, and then uh, July, I'll be doing a, a big southern tour of tech, um, uh, Texas and nashville and um maybe atlanta so that'll start late like july 30th that'll kick off but right now austin texas is on sale for july 30th at um the vulcan gas company that's on my website and then i think um zany's in nashville should be up there uh yeah that's gonna be a lot of fun no no la shows man not as of now. I was out there recently. I went on Dr. Phil to talk about my lawsuit and they cut the episode. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was me and Candace Owens um, and uh, Amala, uh, Amala. I hope I'm saying her name right from PragerU debating a couple of critical race theory professors. And they played the tape from my the manager. Uh, I started sobbing. It was like it was an incredible hour of tv and they cut it and i had a feeling they would because the whole thing was about white people that got fired for being white who had proof and are all pursuing lawsuits and it was like yes it was like this is that's fucking this, devastating that they cut that yeah yeah 
So um, anyways, that was my last time in LA. Cool, man. Bro, what can I say? Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time. Yeah, do you um, want to start start recording now? I think we we got warmed up, so we can start. Yeah, you could just tell tell us how amazing our podcast is in a Donald Trump voice, and we can close exactly it what I was that. thinking. That'd be amazing. So, if you want to know the truth, right, go to Truth Social. But if you want to know other truths, right, there's more than one truth. There's like we call it multi truths. You know this. You can watch this great podcast called. Called here for the truth. Here for the truth. That's right. <laughs> we grab him by the truth. I see a beautiful woman and I grab her by the truth. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about her vagina, but it's true that women have vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing, man. Dude, really, thank you so much, bro, for coming on. Thanks for making the time. Um, I wish you nothing but the fucking best, man, with your work. Um, I'll, I'll always be a fan. I love, I love your material, man. And, um, appreciate it. Yeah. That's all. If you can just cut out all my stuff from this and edit that out, that would be great. Perfect. Perfect. No doubt. Whatever you want to keep of what you guys said is perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just thanks for being real, man. Thanks for sharing part of your story. Yeah. Um, part of, part, of, part of your journey and, um, and, you know, just, I'll throw out my uh, social media is Ty the Fish, Ty, T-Y, the fish is F-I-S-C-H because I got that sweet German blood. Um, I, we were the ones that were gassed. We weren't the <clears throat> the winners of that one. And then uh, TylerFisher.com, I've got my tour dates. And then yeah, uh, I'm on Patreon and then I'll be on Locals probably in the next couple of weeks. Cool, man. We'll have all that stuff listed in, in the in the notes. Um, everyone who's listening, watching, I mean, go check Tyler out uh, on all his channels. Um, I tend to see most of your stuff on Instagram. And uh, yeah, if you want to piss your pants, support this guy. That's that's how I end my Biden impression now, actually. Imagine if I started shitting on the stage and just like, yeah. Okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, also, when, when, when you a boosted uh, shirt, I've got uh, a lot of great um, merchandise at tylerfisher.com. You boosted, or um, we've got um, men or women too, all sorts of fun stuff. Awesome, dude. Guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks, fellas. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward an evolution to a place where we can share that confusion. Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with confusion.